When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Distro. Got a great episode for you guys this week. I am talking about actors who hated each other in movies. So maybe you saw them on the big screen, and you're thinking, man, those actors worked really well together. But behind the scenes, there was some stuff going down. And they hated each other's guts. I'm also going to throw in some directors who didn't get along with some of their stars. And there's even one of an A-list actor who just let somebody on the set have it. And one of my favorite clips of all time that I'll get into on that one. I'm also trying out a segment this week called The Underrated Movie of a Week. Well, I'll review a movie that came out a while ago. In this case, 25 years ago, and it's a Disney movie that maybe you haven't seen, but now it's streaming on Disney+, Plus, and I want to share that movie with you. And I'm also continuing my reviews of my top 10 movies of all time. This week, I am getting to number 8, which is a movie from 2007 called No Country for Old Men. All that coming up on this week's episode. Thanks to you guys for hitting play and hitting download. Again, make sure you're hitting that 5 stars and leaving a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot for me. That really helps me a lot with getting out there a little bit more and finding some new listeners to come and join the fun we're having over here. And always, what really helps, if you just tell a friend, be like, hey, I know you're at home watching a lot of movies. Listen to this podcast where all they do is talk about movies and give some what I hope are some good recommendations for you to watch right now. But with all that said, let's just get into this week's episode. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, today we're talking about actors who hated each other. So on the big screen, they look like best of friends. They look like they're getting along. They look like they're doing a movie together. But behind the scenes, there's some really intense friction. Some of these, they have punches thrown. Some of these, they have names being called. So I'll get into all of these. And I also want to throw in some directors who had bad relationships with actors. 
one in particular where this person said something pretty vicious about a director and it ended up really not being true. So we'll get into that one. And then there's also some of these that I speculate were just made up to kind of promote the movie and make it seem like there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. They put that stuff out there like on Instagram to get people talking about the movie. So I think some of these were maybe just kind of built up as a beef, but there maybe really wasn't anything there the whole time. But the first one I want to get into is Robert Downey Jr. and Terrence Howard, who were both in the original Iron Man. So pretty much what kicked off all of Marvel And maybe you forget Terrence Howard was in that very first one. He played War Machine in the original Iron Man. He didn't actually suit up in the movie, but it was supposed to be his role that Don Cheadle took on and played for the entire rest of the MCU. And here you have Terrence Howard. So what happened with him, it was a mix of his relationship with Robert Downey Jr. and also his relationship with Marvel because... Everything was fine when the movie happened. They actually sought out Terrence Howard to have him in the movie. He was having pretty big success around that time. He'd done Hustle and Flow. And they were like, okay, we want to go after Robert Downey. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) They wanted to go after Terrence Howard. They got him first. And then Terrence Howard is actually the one who recommended Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, so he says. So Terrence Howard actually said that he took a million dollars less to get his friend Robert Downey Jr. that part. So they did the movie together. It came out. Great. They're going to do Iron Man 2. And that's when things got a little rough because they ended up casting Robert Downey Jr. again, gave him a bunch of money, but they wanted to scale back Terrence Howard's character in the movie because they thought he didn't really do so well. They thought he didn't play the character like they wanted. So Terrence Howard got mad and he's like, hey, Robert Dandy Jr., I kind of need you to do for me what I did for you and have my back here. And he says allegedly that Robert Downey Jr. didn't have his back and that he took the money for him and didn't help Terrence Howard out at all. So they ended up casting Don Cheadle instead in his place. Terrence Howard held on to that for a pretty long while. They didn't talk. They were just mad at each other. Anytime Terrence Howard would get asked about it in interviews he would call out Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. was like you know I had no decision in that he said I'm not the one who chose to move on without Terrence Howard none of that was on me and it was until like years years later where they ended up meeting and taking a picture together and Terrence Howard captioned it like hey me and Robert Downey Jr. here together again it feels cool to be hanging out so allegedly the beef was squashed but It still seems like Terrence Howard is just kind of a hard guy to work with because Marvel came out later saying he was very hot-headed and just didn't get along with what they were trying to do because really everybody from that first Iron Man movie went on to be a part of the entire franchise. Like All those people involved in that one went on to have a role either in the movies or directing the movies, and it was really him who was the only one who got kicked out from there. So maybe he was kind of a hothead And it wasn't so much that he didn't get along with Robert Downey Jr. after that and he didn't fight for him. I think in this case, he maybe felt that Robert Downey Jr. owed him something at some point. And the fact that he became such a big star from that movie really kind of overcasted his performance. He was mad at that. So I think it's more of his attitude on this one. This next one's pretty crazy because maybe you don't even remember that this was even a beef. And maybe even when you hear this beef now, you can't believe that it actually went down. But back when they remade the Charlie's Angels movies in 2000, they cast Bill Murray as Bosley and they cast a whole new group of angels. And one in particular was Lucy Liu. Now, they didn't get along on set. And apparently it's because 
Bill Murray criticized the way Lucy Liu would act. Now, Bill Murray, he's notorious for kind of being a really weird dude. He's the kind of guy who sometimes, like back in the day when he was doing Ghostbusters, they didn't even know he was going to show up. Like, they cast him in the part, they heard nothing from him, and then the first day of filming, he shows up. So, he's just a crazy guy altogether. There's a lot of just mystery around Bill Murray. And acting is something he just takes. When he's in there, he's super dialed in. So he goes in and he knows what he wants. And apparently, whenever him and Lucy Liu were doing scenes together, he was kind of criticizing her technique. He would even like kind of yell at her and be like, what are, like, what are you doing here? Like, you can't act. And of course, Lucy Liu's not going to take that lightly. So they ended up just getting into really heated exchanges all the time. And there was this one time in particular where he was like so upset with her performance, straight up told her that, hey, you're not doing your job right like you have no acting technique that she got so mad she just started throwing punches at bill murray so bad that the crew ended up having like to pull them apart and it was just really hard for them to work together on this movie so it's bill murray straight up just verbally attacking lucy Liu, and then lucy Liu just getting so fed up with it so they ended up doing another charlie's angels movie in 2003 and they actually brought bernie mac instead to play the role of bosley instead of bill murray it was rumored that it was because his relationship with lucy Liu, but later he ended up saying that it got a bit blown out of proportion that they did get into it on set but that wasn't the reason he left the movie he said they ended up making peace and they ended up getting to know each other after this, but it looked like on the set of Charlie Angels, they were not good. This next one's one of my favorites because I'm a big fan of Jim Carrey. I think the Riddler is just this awesome character, and I think Jim Carrey played it pretty well. He did make it pretty comedic. He made it Jim Carrey. So I think for that reason, maybe that movie as a whole is viewed kind of cheesy, but he was cast alongside Tommy Lee Jones, who played Two-Face in the movie, which I thought he did a really great Two-Face Mainly because this movie has just elements of the comic book. It's very cartoony. It's very bright. So all of that stuff is out there. And it's kind of even weird to think Tommy Lee Jones now doing a comic book movie. He's a very serious guy. He's kind of known of being not the warmest person on set. He's very stoic. And even now in movies, you just see him. He just kind of has that Tommy Lee Jones face. So back in the day when Jim Carrey was pretty much at the height of his career when he got cast in Batman, he got paid millions of dollars to do this and everybody was just wanting to see his portrayal of the Riddler. So Jim Carrey goes into this movie being Jim Carrey. He's crazy. He's funny. He does all kinds of things when he's on set. And apparently Tommy Lee Jones was not a fan of his. Like he hated working alongside with him because he found him annoying and he found his acting style just not to be like a real actor so they're doing the movie together they're about to do this really big scene the following day but the night before jim carrey goes out to dinner and he actually sees tommy lee jones there having dinner and goes up to talk to him so jim carrey goes up in the restaurant just to tell him hello he's like hey i see my coworker out at the restaurant i'm gonna tell him what's up and when tommy lee jones looks at him he just gives him this really mean face and then tells him i hate you like i don't really like you I can't stand your buffoonery is actually what Jim Carrey later said that he told him. And even after that, Jim Carrey's like, you know what? He's a phenomenal actor. I was just happy to work with him. So I said I wanted to throw a director in here. And this is probably one of the biggest actor-director feuds of all time. And it comes actually from one of my favorite franchises, at least early on. And it's the Transformers series who were directed by Michael Bay which Michael Bay is known for doing really big explosion movies and just kind of being that action guy. And he really just kind of went all out with the Transformers movies 
and was able to bring these movies to life, I think, unlike anybody else could have done. And he has these two stars. He has Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, who Megan Fox really, her career took off because of these movies. I think Shia LaBeouf was already a pretty well-established actor, but I think he went to A-list after these. But she just kind of came out a lot and said bad things about Michael Bay. She said he wants to be like Hitler on his sets, and he is. So he's like a nightmare to work for, but when you get him away from the set and he's not in director mode, I kind of really enjoy his personality, but he's so awkward, so helplessly awkward. He has no social skills at all, and it's endearing to watch him. Now, she kind of comes back around at the end of that, like, oh, it's just because when he's in director mode, he's a jerk. But you can't call somebody Hitler. Like, you can't. That's not a thing you can say and try to get this roundabout compliment into the end and saying, like, oh, he's just socially awkward. No, you called him Hitler as a director, so... The backlash of that was pretty much almost immediate. And after those first two Transformers movies, she was quickly replaced. And her character was never really mentioned again in the Transformers franchise. And I thought that was pretty crazy that she never came back. And even Michael Bay was like, I actually wasn't hurt by what she said. He said that Megan just says things to get a response from people. And he even said she texted him after that, like hoping that he was doing well, that it was all just a big thing because they're family and that's what happens. But she never returns to the franchise. I think over time, the franchise would have benefited having her around and keeping Shia LaBeouf around. I still think the reboots were pretty okay. But those first two movies, man, those are really good. So this one may ruin a movie for you. Not a spoiler, but it just may ruin a movie because of what actually happened with these two actors. But apparently, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams did not get along on the set of The Notebook. Which you think, oh, that's the most romantic movie of all time. Of course they loved each other. And yes, they did end up dating for three years after the movie. But they actually didn't get along on set. So much so that Ryan Gosling went to the director and said, Hey, can you find me another actress to work with off camera? I just, I'm not feeling it with Rachel McAdams. And the director was like, what are you talking about? Ryan Gosling straight up said, like, I can't do it with her. Like, I'm not getting anything from this relationship. And apparently it was during like a really big scene. They have all these people there and he didn't want to work with Rachel McAdams. And this is at the beginning of the movie. And as you know, the movie came out, they were in it together. So they ended up making it work. But I think it kind of gives a little bit of context of seeing maybe some of the arguing in the movie that they're doing. Maybe it's not actually them acting. They actually can't stand each other. And that's what you're getting from that. So another thing to think about when you watch The Notebook again, that they actually didn't like each other. Now, this next one's pretty interesting. Dwayne The Rock Johnson had kind of a beef with all the Fast and the Furious guys, really the whole cast, because he kind of came in when the movies were kind of losing their spark. Now, they were really strong in the beginning, but once they got to about five, they hit a bit of a luster. And it's really interesting how Vin Diesel, how he's so well-known for these movies, but almost not accepted as an actor in really any other capacity. And he's really worked so hard to build these movies up that when The Rock came in to kind of put new breath into the the Fast and the Furious franchise, I think maybe he saw it as a bit of like, oh, there's somebody new coming in. Like it's a whole, like the people competing to be the alpha dog. So I think a lot of that is what happened here early on. And there's a lot of beef that came out between not only uh, The Rock and Vin Diesel, but also The Rock and Tyrese, just them kind of getting into it and being 
um, on and offline of just taking stabs at each other. The Rock going on and like thanking everybody in an Instagram post except for Vin Diesel. Tyrese coming out and saying stuff about The Rock. And it all kind of stemmed from, like I said, him, The Rock coming in and kind of taking over. And it really kind of blew up once The Rock got a spinoff with Jason Statham. They got Hobbs and Shaw. And Tyrese took that pretty bad. He's like, like you're breaking apart what was great here and going off on your own. So I really think it came from jealousy. I think it was Tyrese like upset that The Rock was that they were already starting to change things to fit him. Like they were working around his filming schedule. They even delayed one of the Fast and the Furious filmings because Dwayne The Rock Johnson had his own movie going on and they delayed one of those movies. So I think they saw it as more like him coming in and taking over their franchise and it all being about him. He kind of got called out by The Rock in different ways. He called him like The Rock would make Instagram posts that straight up were targeted at Vin Diesel and calling him out for not acting a certain way on the set, telling him he was unprofessional, calling him names. And I think a lot of that, too, was also The Rock trying to build just some hype around the movie because I think you get more interested if you hear, hey, there's some arguing going on behind the scenes. Like, Vin Diesel's not getting along with The Rock, but they're doing this movie together. I think that kind of makes you be more interested in it. And I think that's kind of what these beefs were about i think the stuff with him and tyrese was kind of made up i think the stuff with him and vin diesel ended up maybe starting out as them having friction and one taking over and the other kind of taking a back seat no pun intended on the fast and the furious but i think it ended up just kind of being a tool of like okay let's keep this beef going because you're not going to make an instagram post and thank everybody from the movie and leave out vin diesel like that's probably on purpose. It's probably so people look at it and be like, oh, we didn't thank Vin Diesel. And it creates some drama around the movie. So I think this one was a little bit of them being kind of tactical with the beef. I think that's really kind of like in the hip-hop world. When you start a beef with another rapper, it's to really boost both of your careers to get both of people talking about your music. So I think that's a really smart move when it comes to making movies. And if you can do that, more power to you. This next one is one of my favorites of all time. It involves a very acclaimed actor and his beef not with another actor not with another director well kind of it has to do with the director of photography it came in 2009 from some leaked audio on the set of terminator salvation christian bale lost it against the director of photography for terminator salvation his name is shane hurlbert and it all came because Shane walked into his line of sight during filming at a very intense scene. And when you're working with an actor like Christian Bale, who really goes to extremes, even when it comes to method acting, like he'll lose weight for a role, he'll gain weight for a role, he'll get inside these characters' heads. And when he's in the zone, you don't mess with Christian Bale. And poor old Shane just walked into his line of sight during a really intense scene. And Christian Bale just straight up loses it on him. And I feel so bad for the guy. But I love that we have this leaked audio. It leaked in 2009. And I still find any way to play it, any chance that I get. So here is Christian Bale freaking out on Shane, the director of photography from Terminator Salvation. What don't you get about it? Oh, good for you. And how was it? I hope it was f***ing good because it's useless now, isn't it? Shake, man, you're amateur. Now the clip went viral because of that line. The oh, good for you. And how was it? That's one of my favorite. It is. It's not even a real movie quote. It's just a leaked audio quote. 
And this whole tirade goes down for four minutes with Christian Bale freaking out over Shane walking in his line of sight. And he ends up telling him that if he did it again, that Christian Bale would quit the movie and declaring that the two were done professionally. And Christian Bale came out later and publicly apologized for it after the audio was leaked. He even called into a L.A. radio station and said that, yes, he acted like a punk and apologized to Shane. But I have to say, one of the greatest film beefs of all time is Christian Bale freaking out on this guy. I got a few more just quick ones to throw in that I didn't really realize until I kind of researched some of this. But Steven Spielberg apparently didn't get along with Julia Roberts on the set of Hook. She played Tinkerbell in the movie and his name for her on set was Tinker Hell. He said later in an interview about the movie that it was a very unfortunate time for them to work together. So maybe that was just such a big A-list actor with such a big A-list director not getting along on the same page during that movie. She ends up getting a pretty nasty nickname out of it. What a coincidence that Tinkerbell rhymed with Tinker Hell. Also, Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron did not get along with each other while filming Mad Max Fury. I think this is really just two really intense people getting together to work on a movie that's a super action-charged movie where you have to kind of be in this weird state of mind to do. It's a really visually crazy movie, a lot of stuff going on. I think their acting approaches were just so hardcore that it was their characters more so butting heads because... Because they said when they first met, they were actually just trying to kill each other. Because when they were acting together, they weren't the best of friends. And they just kind of tried to maintain some kind of level of respect while working throughout the movie. Even though they didn't get along. And it wasn't until after the movie where Tom Hardy gave a gift to Charlize Theron. And was like, hey, you're an absolute nightmare to work with. But you're freaking awesome. And I kind of miss you. So, just because you don't get along while making the movie, maybe it's because you're trying to play it a certain way or you're not getting that real kind of relationship you want. Later along, you can see like, okay, we ended up making a good movie and it was cool to work with you. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM, let's create. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to Get750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. 
That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at Get750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with Get750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out Get750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at Get750.com. Just go to Get750.com or Google Get My 750 cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's get750.com. Get750.com. All right, I want to try a new segment this week that I am calling the underrated movie of the week, where I share with you guys a movie that came out maybe over 20 years ago or so, or just something that I think was overlooked throughout time. And this movie I'm talking about today is a Disney movie, and when you hear about people's favorite Disney movies, it's like your Lion Kings, your Finding Nemo's, your Beauty and the Beasts, Mulan, all those big movie titles that you go to Disney World and you see all that stuff. Maybe you don't go to Disney World right now, but you hear about all those big Disney movies. And the one I'm going to share in my underrated movie is one that came out 25 years ago, and over the weekend there was a bunch of tweets about it because now it's on Disney+. Plus. And it's kind of just a cult classic Disney movie, which you don't really know about a whole lot. Like, Disney doesn't really have cult classics. They either make hits or movies that don't really do well. But this one, now that it's back on Disney+, Plus, people are remembering it from now as adults are going back and watching it. And it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I really love that it's on Disney+, Plus now. And that movie is called A Goofy Movie. And it's based on the Disney TV show Goof Troop. And it was really Goofy's first ever full-length movie. But the thing about this movie is when it came out, they didn't really put a whole lot behind it. Like, it wasn't even done by the same animation studio that Disney has to make all their big titles. It was a lot lower budget. They kind of outsourced the animation. And it did okay at the box office, but really didn't really have a whole lot of push behind it. But where it really came through was in VHS sales. Now, if you don't remember VHSs, there are these big cartridges that you would put into a VCR. Now, if you don't know what a VCR is, it is where you would take a VHS and put it in there and press play, and a movie would start, and sometimes you'd see some opening previews that you usually had to fast forward to. But that's really where a goofy movie kind of became a cult classic, because like me, I remember getting the VHS tape, and it was one movie that I would watch all the time. And I love the story in this movie. It's a pretty basic movie. So it's about Goofy's son, Max, who is in high school, I believe, in the movie. And he's trying to impress this girl, Roxanne. He ends up doing this really big, elaborate performance at the very beginning of uh, like a class assembly. And it's to this music by a fictional pop star named Powerline. And he's just trying to impress this girl. He gets busted, gets in trouble. And then Goofy throws upon this summer road trip that they go on. And, you know, Max is just kind of being a teenager. And, you know, you don't want to go on a road trip with your dad when you're a teenager. What he really wants to do is go to this Powerline concert. And he kind of devises a plan that goes out throughout the movie of how to reroute their summer trip into the going to this concert and it turns into a whole thing and it's a pretty basic movie that's pretty much the entire thing not really much to ruin on this one it also came out 25 years ago but 
it's a movie that I think is just underrated as a Disney movie because yes, it is a little more simple of a storyline and maybe the animation's not as up to par as like what a Lion King was at the time. But I think at its core of a movie, it's a really great thing to go back and kind of watch now that it's on Disney Plus. So if you have kids, it's a really good one to to show them. And even as an adult, I think it's still enjoyable if you love kind of that old classic animation because it's straight up 2D, like the straight on just before they got into all the 3D animation and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really classically kind of drawn Disney movie. Really 90s. It's It's a very 90s movie, and I love that era of Disney. And it's maybe one you haven't seen. So I would I would just think it's a, I just think it's a very underrated movie. I like I always kind of had it in my category of like my favorite Disney movies. And I didn't realize later that a bunch of people haven't seen it until it was trending over the weekend that, oh, a goofy movie is now on Disney Plus. I'm like, yeah, everybody's seen that, right? No, I guess they haven't, but it's one I recommend going to check out. They also made a goofy movie sequel which was called an extremely goofy movie, which wasn't as good. But the thing with these is they were kind of just making like back in the day, Disney made a lot more like straight to VHS movies, which were kind of like their B movies. And this was kind of even considered what they said was like a C movie for them. They didn't really do anything with it. So uh, I recommend a goofy movie, but not the sequel to that. And even like, I'm not a big fan of just straight up musicals. Like back in the day, I really liked like all the the songs and like Lion King. But this one has some pretty good jams. Like the first song Max sings at that school assembly is called Stand Out. And that is actually kind of a jam. (laughs) And it even kicks off with a big opening number with the song called After Today. Even have Pauly Shore voicing one of his friends. Does it really get more 90s than Pauly Shore in an animated movie? I don't think so. Cheddar! That is my underrated movie of the week. If you're looking for a Disney movie to watch with your family or you just want to go back and relive some 90s nostalgia, I recommend checking out a goofy movie. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. By up level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention, all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to get750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. 
That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at Get750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with Get750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out Get750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at Get750.com. Just go to Get750.com or Google Get My 750 cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's get750.com. Get750.com. Boston Proper is for women who love distinctive style in styles that don't define them. Boston Proper designs are unique and made to fit flawlessly. Confident women wear Boston Proper as an expression of who they are with chic, polished styling and unforgettable looks that get noticed anytime, every day, and on any occasion. When you want that certain something in everything you wear, wear Boston Proper. Shop at bostonproper.com and wear it like no one else. All right, so I've been sharing with you guys my top 10 movies of all time and reviewing them each week. I'm getting to number eight today, but before I get into that, just to kind of recap, if you haven't caught the other two, at number 10, I had Drive with Ryan Gosling, which you can watch on Netflix. At number nine, I had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And this week, at number eight of my favorite movies of all time, which I'll be reviewing, is No Country for Old Men, which came out in 2007, directed by the Coen brothers, and it really has an amazing cast of Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, and Woody Harrelson, just to name a few of the people playing in this movie. And one of my favorite movies of all time, because I like movies that just kind of happen in an instant, and you don't know all the details going into it. it when done well, is a really powerful thing, because sometimes movies over-explain things. And I kind of like it when you're just kind of put into a situation, you take everything for what it is, and there's not a whole lot of, oh, this is exactly why this happened, this why this is what's going on with the entire movie. I'll kind of explain a little bit more without ruining the, the movie. But I feel like you're just kind of put into this world of once the drug deal goes wrong at the very beginning. So I'll get into all that, but before I do, here's just a little bit of No Country for Old Men. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. You go up to his trailer? Yes. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. I don't come back and tell mother I love her. Your mother's dead. Well, then I'll tell her myself. So what the movie's about without ruining it is Josh Brolin's character named Ewellen stumbles on a drug deal gone wrong. And he's just a regular guy out in West Texas. They actually filmed this in Marfa, Texas. And he stumbles upon what looks like a straight out shootout brawl. And he finds no one living. There's one guy maybe clinging to life. And he ends up finding what's about $2 million in cash. So he decides to take the money. Again, he's not really a bad guy. Maybe just kind of in the bad, wrong place at the wrong time, I would say. And he takes the money and immediately gets chased by the other people because he's pretty much saying like, okay, this was a drug deal gone wrong. Where's the last guy? Like, where's the guy coming to get this money? And he takes off, gets chased by some dudes and then goes home to his trailer. And then pretty much throughout the entire movie is on the run. Now, where the movie really kind of just 
they don't really say a whole lot about what happened at that scene. You don't really find out the details of the drug dealers, which is fine. I think if you're able to put somebody into that situation, you take it for what it is. You take it in that little moment of time. I'm okay with that. If it's done really well, which in this case it's done probably the best it's ever been done, I'm fine with not all the details of not knowing every single answer to every single question. Where the chilling part comes in is Javier Bardem's character is this guy named Anton Sugar. Sugar like the sugar. And he's this very just, what they say is the best depiction ever of what a real psychopath is like. Just the way he acts, the way he talks, even the way he looks, like all his mannerisms are very straight on to what an actual psychopath is. And it's done so well in this movie that he's a villain that seems almost more scary than like somebody in a horror movie because he's just an insane psychopath who has this device he uses to kill people, which is essentially what they use to like take out cattle. So it's like this highly pressurized tank that he goes and just like puts it at people's foreheads and takes them out. And you, the whole time, it's his character trying to track down Josh Brolin's character named Ewellen. And he goes, to his, he goes to his trailer, and he takes all the clues and finds out where he's going. And Ewellen's trying to protect his wife. And then the whole time, Tommy Lee Jones, who's playing the old sheriff, is trying to help out and figure out why Ewellen has gotten rounded up into this. Now, Tommy Lee Jones' character has been around a really long time and kind of where the title No Country for Old Men comes in, which it's actually based on a book. But it's Tommy Lee Jones kind of coming to realize how much the world has changed since he's been in law enforcement. And now you have this psychopath killer who's just going around slaughtering people. And he's beginning to think, maybe, maybe this is like too much for me now. Maybe this is time for me to get out. So this movie is pretty violent. And I think it's violence with a purpose, though. Kind of like one of my favorite directors, Quentin Tarantino, who has a lot of violence in his movies and often gets criticized for how brutal it is. I think this movie uses it in a very particular way. And you see some pretty hardcore things, like I said earlier, from when he uses that cattle-killing device to take it out on people to him just straight-up strangling a guy on the floor. And you see like the marks from his boots like on the ground like that stuff is very intense and it's very real and i just love the character of anton sugar in this movie because it's the most simple things that he does that makes him feel like a real villain and like a real psychopath and there's this scene where he just goes to get gas and he goes inside to a gas station it's like a very small gas station now in rural texas and he has this interaction with the store clerk And up to this point in the movie, everybody who he's encountered, he's killed. And it's kind of this one slice of him being maybe like a normal human where he has a conversation with the store clerk. It's very tense because the clerk knows that something's wrong, that this guy is off. And I just want to play this little scene. Maybe you've heard this quote before about what's the most you've ever lost in a coin toss. And here's just a little bit of that scene. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss, sir? The most... You ever lost on a coin toss? I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. 
You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. So the movie came out in 2007, and the following year, it was nominated for eight Academy Awards, four which it ended up winning, including Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor, and a movie that's just been my favorite for a long time now. Everything from the way it looks, like the actual cinematography in this is it's pretty brilliant. You got the Coen brothers doing it, and just how they filmed this movie from the nighttime scenes where at the very start where Ewellen's getting chased by these dudes, it just looks crisp and cool and you kind of get that feeling of it being in Texas and that scenery, which is very important. Just to all the scenes with Sugar and focusing on his facial expressions or lack thereof and even just like the costume design in this of they specifically picked this crazy haircut that Sugar has in the movie to make him look as creepy as possible. And just Josh Brolin, like, you root for him because he just kind of was wanting to do something that would maybe help out him and his wife, and he ends up getting into just a really bad situation where you almost just want him to get out of it, and you're rooting for him the entire time. And the cool thing about Josh Brolin, he was actually working on a Quentin Tarantino movie when the script came across and the role was offered to him. He was working on Grindhouse, and he actually got Quentin Tarantino to shoot and direct his audition tape for you, Ellen, which I thought was pretty cool. And the other thing about this movie is it has such big actors in it, but you actually never really see them all on screen together because it's a really a chase throughout the entire movie, and there's only one character who actually talks to all three of the main characters. So Ellen's wife in the movie is Carla Jean, and she's actually the only one who interacts with all three of them. And it just gives it that much cooler of a feel that they never interact. And it just has that anticipation of something bad is probably going to happen. But anyway, that is my number eight movie of all time, No Country for Old Men. It's available to stream if you have a Stars account. But otherwise, you would have to rent it on Amazon or YouTube for about four bucks. So if you're looking for a good action thriller, I highly recommend it at my number eight movie of all time. Alright, and that's the episode for this week. But before I hop out of here, I gotta give my Instagram shout-out of the week. This week it is going to at Christy KMB on Instagram, who actually posted it on her main feed as she was listening to last week's episode, and she was also a big Willy Wonka fan. So shout out to you guys for always putting this in your Instagram stories. And if you're so inclined to do so, putting it on your main feed that you're listening to the episode. Every week I pick somebody on Instagram or Twitter to give them a shout out. Just let me know that you're listening to the podcast. Tag me in that and I'll shout you out next week. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Watch some movies. Let me know what you've seen and think that I should check out and recommend. Let me know if you watch something good. Just send me a tweet or an Instagram message. I'll check it out too and maybe do a review on next week's episode. And until then, I will talk to you guys next time. Later. Boston Proper is for women who love distinctive style in styles that don't define them. Boston Proper designs are unique and made to fit flawlessly. Confident women wear Boston Proper as an expression of who they are, with chic, polished styling and unforgettable looks that get noticed anytime, every day, and on any occasion. When you want that certain something in everything you wear, wear Boston Proper. Shop at bostonproper.com and wear it like no one else. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. 
Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.